Yeah. So we are here with Justin Wilkins. Thanks for having me. Lean Whiskey's an empire building. I was just saying to him, we were planning to do these later at night, but they ended up being more midday, so now I'm, I'm becoming a, a day drinker <laughs> just by default. <laughs> um, this is episode number five. We've got big hair Marcus off. Yeah, today. We've I'm sure it does. We've booted him off um, and replaced him with a prettier version today. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, Justin, Justin and I have been talking a fair amount of times. We're actually on the other end of things now because the first time he interviewed me, yep. actually still to date my favourite favorite interview. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You asked me some, some really interesting questions. and At the time, you were still working, you were employed, and would started up your kind of real estate side hustle, yep. as it were, which, but since then, a lot's changed, isn't it? Yeah, so, massively. I'd like worked in the system, well I have left now, and I, but I worked in the system, you could say, for like 13 years. Fuck so, the system. Fuck <laughs> the system, yeah, quite. I, I, the way I look at myself now, I think I'm unemployable now. Like, I would never go back. I'd rather, yeah, even if I lost everything went to ground zero, I wouldn't go back really? to full-time employment now. So, Do you think if, if, you, if you had to and you worked, do you think you would be an awful employee? I mean, I was, like, honestly. Oh, like, you were had, anyway? It, by the end. By the end, I was. I was really good. Okay. And obviously, at, you know, the times that I put all of my focus into it, because at certain points in my career, I thought, well, I've got to work my way up the ladder, got to earn more money, and that way I can earn more, and then I can put that into property. But as time went on, and as I realised what I was building on the side, and was building that income up, I became a terrible employee. Okay, straight into it then. What made you start up your side hustle? What, what was it and what made you start it? How was it originally? Well, the original side hustle was um, Short Fitness, which was a clothing brand, uh -huh. which was, that right. was... What gonna, age did you do that? Uh, it was quite late. It was like mid-twenties, but I'd done the usual okay. side hustles prior to that, but that was like mid-twenties, start of a clothing brand, bought clothes from Turkey, um, built that up like relatively well, but not enough to fulfill the goal that I had. The goal was make a shit ton of money, leave my job, buy property. Okay, so the idea was always to leave your job? Yes, you know, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And how early was that that you decided you want to leave your job and do your own thing? Probably 24, and then it, and it took me till basically 30, because I went about it the wrong way. Okay. And when you were doing your, like, your clothing side hustle, did you, did you love it? I did. I, I really did like it and had a passion for it. But the, the ultimate goal was always to make money for property. I thought that was an easier, had lower barriers to entry. Mm -hmm. I thought I'd get into clothing because it'd be easier to make money and put it into property. Really, I should have gone, I should have bypassed that and gone straight into property. Should have had a mentor like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And with your, I'm oh, sorry, I'm bombarding you with questions. No, it's actually good, quite it's interesting because yeah. I like to hear other people's opinions. Like, yeah. Obviously, I've got my own reasons I did these same things. But were your parents anti you setting up, kind of leaving your, your, your career? Yeah, like to the point, I love my parents and they were so supportive, but to the point where, um, my parents and my grandma in particular, who I know will never watch this, so I can say <laughs> it. She, even when I uh, sat them down, I said, I'm leaving my job. And she said, no, don't be so ridiculous. I said, well, I'm earning every month, I'm earning double in my side hustle than I do my day job. Mm -hmm. and putting in half the amount of work to earn double. She said, no, don't be so silly, don't leave your job. And, and it's, so even when you told her that, she's yeah. confronted with those stats, yes. still said, 
Don't be so silly. Yes, we had a minor argument over it. Minor? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you can't get too hard on your grandma, can you? You've got to be nice to her. But. Is that, so presumably, like, so it's the same thing with me. Mine, <laughs> I remember I rocked up at my, at my grandparents' house in my first 911 Turbo when I was 19, right? <laughs> yeah. And I walked through a door and my nan said to me, Elliot, when are you going to get a proper job? Right, I swear, it's the same. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, it, it will save me to this day, and it, it made me laugh. And my granddad understood what I was doing a lot more than she did, because yeah. he, he was like quite big on tech. And all it came down to was she was she loved me so much, and she didn't understand it. So therefore, it's risky if you don't understand something. But and even with confronted with an nineteen-year-old with a supercar on the driveway, it still wasn't enough for her to, <laughs> to kind of because it, it's risky, right? Yeah, but they don't understand. My argument to that is. I think it's way riskier to have an employee that can chop off your income like that. And people don't look at it like that. They think it's security. Right, secure. and we know how hard it is to get jobs nowadays. Yeah. Okay, so with this recession looming, or we're in it, whatever. Yeah. I, I say we're, we're very much in it. The, the, the kind of the risk of you not having your own income and controlling that, that you can pivot and move. And let's say you've got dependables, you've got kids. Yeah. And you've got one employer that, that goes under. Who's, who's, who's high risk? Yeah, exactly. You so, know. back to where we were a second ago. What do your parents think now? Oh, they, yeah. They still don't know fully what I do, <laughs> but they, um, they're very supportive and they think, yeah, they, like, I've gone from leaving my job to then, like, spending best part of 70 grand on a refurb and they're like, how have you supported yourself? How are you finding this money? To, um, so, yeah, they don't understand what I do, but, yeah, they're so very supportive. It's hilarious. So, yeah. The last two or three months, my, my, my mother-in-law and my mum both said to me, Elliot, when my friends ask me what you do, what do I say? <laughs> yeah. And I said, oh, I still haven't figured that one out. So I, I don't know how to ask it. So everyone goes to me, oh, Elliot, what do you do? And I'm like, don't ask me that. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. They go, what's that? So my, my brother's doing the building work outside. Yeah. So it's absolutely fantastic. So he said that, you know, all the builders come to site and like I, I swan in and out. Yeah. So like I'm either in the office or I'm, I'm like coming for my mum's or my, 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 my in-laws at the moment because I'm, I'm all over the shop. I try and come on site every now and then, but I'm not here as much as I'd like. And like one day I come up in like the G-Wagon, the next day I'm in the Bentley, the next day I'm in the, the Lambo. And they're going to my brother. My brother said he sits on site. A lot of them don't know that he's my brother. Right. So when the, when the new guys come to town, they, they come, to, come to the site and they're like, what on earth does that guy do? And like my brother's like, just stays there quiet like, and listen. And, I, I have no idea. My brother goes, I think he's in IT. <laughs> <laughs> so he said every day they're here. But the point being is like, when someone does ask, it's very difficult to, to explain. And like, I think it is now moving more to a, towards a point where that generation are starting to understand and see the premise mm -hmm. in it. And I think yeah. it does take, and, and for other people out there as well, like that are kind of pushing against your parents. Because it's normally your parents with the, the hardest hurdle, right? To get over with this yeah. kind of stuff. And I think that's probably the biggest preventative thing of people actually stopping. One is obviously their own self-confidence, and two is their, their parental pressure. Like you've you've gone, you've done university, you've got a decent career. Why on earth would you want to go and do this high-risk thing? Yes, right? yeah, the same yeah. kind of thing. And what would you say to people then that are on that fence? Like, just a bit of advice for people. Like, okay, they're, they're sitting there thinking, right, they've got something. They might even be earning money as a side hustle. How do they get the balls, like, to just jump out and in, from in your yeah, opinion, like yeah, that, yeah. Because I know you're you're way more risk averse than me. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Right? Inherently, from what I've seen, but you still 
did it even though your mum was saying and your nan was saying and your dad was saying don't do it i mean yeah i mean i'll split into two like emotionally you've, you've just got to weigh up you know if you don't do it you're going to spend the next 30 years of your life living in the system and not doing it because of what other people's opinions and what they think um, and then financially if you want to do it the, the, as a risk-adverse person, the only answer for me was to bank a year's salary. Put it in the bank. If you've got any doubts about leaving your job, put a year's salary in the bank. And worst case scenario, if you don't earn any money for the next year, which is never going to happen, like, and, unless something seriously goes yeah. wrong, you've got everything to cover your bills. So then, so then all of a sudden, there is no risk. And in fact, you'll actually find that when you then turn all your time to it, like, shit, you're like, oh my God, why didn't I do this sooner? My other qualm here as well with people is like, Everyone waits this purely on money. Mm -hmm. So as a parent, and what I will be saying to my kids, and maybe because I'm in a bit more of a fortunate position where money is less of an issue, or hopefully will be, do you enjoy what the fuck it is that you do? Do I enjoy it? No, no, just uh, or sorry, in rhetorically speaking. Yeah, yeah. Like, to, to people, I'm like, they say, well, yeah, well, I'm worried about the money. Something other. I'm like, but you hate what you're doing right <laughs> yeah, now. Right? Yeah. Do your parents not ask you, are you actually happy? Because yeah. that's the other thing. That, that would be the first thing I said to my kid was, if they felt like, well, they're doing something that I kind of supported. Where that, they might be running their own company, right? Yeah. Really well, and goes, Dad, I just want to go into employment. My initial reaction would be like, whoa. But <laughs> yeah. I would say, why, do you not enjoy running your own company? No, I don't. Well, okay then. Like, okay. Yeah. Because ultimately, we are very privileged, especially people that are fortunate enough in the West. In the UK, like, it's unlike you're ever going to be on the street, even if you aren't earning any money. Right? We have a welfare system here, which kind of protects you against that, even if you're running a charity and earning no money. So I think what you need to take into consideration as well first is that we get one go at this merry-go-round yep. called life, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I don't think we get reincarnated or any of that crap. I think we get one go. And I like to talk, and I, I nick this from Alex or Mosey, talk to your 85-year-old self. Right? I do this all the time. I'm like, did I make the right fucking decision? Or am I making the right decision now? Would my 85-year-old self agree with this decision? And if that's pursuing a job career just for some financial status and to keep your parents happy, it's probably the wrong choice. 100%. I'd, the way I, I think about it is, is like you've just said, you've got one life. And I think it's, it's a terrible shame when, um, for example, if I, if I relate this to something, at my current, at my, let's say current employer, my ex-employer, <laughs> um, I am my current employer. My ex-employer, um, they would give you a um, bottle of champagne on your fifth, five years, or I think it was your five years or your 10 years. And it was just such a terrible shame to see how excited someone got on their... <laughs> fifth or their 10th anniversary, putting all this effort into a company and they'd get a little award and a bottle of champagne. And I know there's other companies that do things like, you know, you get a, a 500 pound watch on your 25th year anniversary at the company. And I think it's such a terrible shame to, that people aspire to that mm -hmm. if they have other dreams. If that's what they want to do, if Absolutely, that's, you know, yeah. then 100% follow it. But I think a lot of people are slowly dying inside and they don't admit that to themselves or they don't take the risk. Um, and that's what's a terrible shame. So a concept that I've been really trying to push onto people as well is that if you work for someone else, right, you're purely exchanging a unit of your time for a unit of monetary exchange, mm -hmm. okay? Now, when you work for yourself, you exchange a unit of your time for the building of that company. So I look at both, one is a cost, right? You have a time cost yeah. and you have an investment. So. When you work for someone else, it's a cost because you don't really get anything back other than that unit of money, which is fictitious, it's like printed on trees, yeah. and you can buy something with it very, very, it's normally an expense. With your business, you're investing time into something that's building and growing yeah. that will actually pay dividends, literally, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
So one, when you work for someone else, your time is a cost. The other one, when you work for yourself, your time is an investment. Yep. Super important definition with, like, to, to define the two and, and split the two. And when people start to think about that, oh shit, that hour I put in my, for someone else's, but what you're doing is investing in their business, not your own. When you invest in your own business, that's your hours into your business, you're growing something. And that is a super, super, super powerful thing because that person's given you a 500 pound watch you think is fantastic. You just exponentially invest into their business for the last 10, 15, 20 years. When that could have been your business you're investing in. You could buy yourself a hell of a lot more than, nice, than a 500 pound watch at that point. <laughs> yeah, the multiplier of your own business is so much higher than the cost of you working for someone. Another way to look at it as well, I've, I've come to really think about as we start to move towards like a, you know, maybe we are in recession or moving towards it, is that I want to have a war chest. I want some money, I want cash reserves. And I've actually started to really drill down into the business side of things as well as what I'm known mm -hmm. for, property. And um, going back to what you said about Alex Hormozzi, one thing he says is the, uh, one of the things he um, like coins as like a little brand, it's like the S and Me 500. Because yeah. so many people invest into the S&P um, thinking that they're doing their bit, whether they're earning from you know, a day job, whether they're earning from their own business, they put it into an investment. Um, but what we forget is our biggest investment is ourselves. That's where we'll probably see, yes, more risk, but we'll also see the biggest multiplier is putting time and money back into ourselves. Mm -hmm. so. so talking about recessions as well, right? The funny thing is people talk about recessions like, are we in it, are we not? Like, regardless of whether we are or we aren't, there's recessions every 10 years, cyclically normally anyway. So if you look at the economy, we're actually about five years overdue at the moment. Economies do this, it's not, it's not a linear straight line. Yep. I did economics and that was one of the basic things I learned. Right? <laughs> yeah, you have booms, yeah. you have recessions and you have, you have peaks, right? So that's, that's normal, that's natural. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't happen, you've got a problem. Yeah. Because um, you either have like over, over, overheating or, under, or too much cooling. So one or the other, you have, you, have to, you have to have it to make it work. Now, we're in one, okay? Or, or let's just say we're in one. Yes. Okay? For, for argument's sake. I don't think we've statistically said we are yet because it's two negative quarters of, I think it's two negative quarters of recession or, or negative growth to equal a recession, right. four is depression, something along those lines. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're technically not in it yet, but you know the data's lagged, so yeah. you can argue we are. We're going into one. It yeah. looks like we are. You know, it could be quite a, quite a long, nasty one. It might be a short, heavy one, a long, drawn out one. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Depends how the government reacts. And up until now, they've not been particularly good. So I wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> when I would, when I would hold yours for a for a positive outcome, but. Yeah. What should someone be doing right now then? Because I've literally just done a few, I did a little reel on this actually before you came over. And what's your opinions, okay? So a lot of people are talking about budgeting, this, that, and the other. They, get, they go very defensive in this, yep. in this environment. What would you advise people to be doing? What are you doing? Yeah, I literally, funny you say you've done a reel on it. I've literally just created a presentation and this is part of it. Um, the, you know, the older version of me, Mm -hmm. when yeah. I needed to save more money or where, when you know, the cost of things went up, I would go into budgeting mode. I would try and cut costs, save money, um, but it's ultimately you can only play that game so long. <laughs> and that's why the, obviously the, the lower class um, part of society really get hit because you can only, every time it just hits them more, 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 and you can only play that game so long because things will continue to rise in price. Whereas what we should be doing is instead of trying to Yes, maybe look at your finances, but instead of doing that, put too much focus or worry on that, let's think about how we can 2x our income. Mm -hmm. And for me, as I say, as a property investor, someone that's really, all, everything I do is involved around property investment. Even I've gone, within the last six months, seeing this kind of, this play out in front of us, I've gone, I need 
some cash reserves. I need money in the bank, not only so that, to support myself through this, because I'm never going back to work for someone else, um, but also because I want a war chest of money to capitalise on this opportunity, because there will be things that come out the other end of it, you know, mm -hmm. and um, the most, you know, the biggest wealth switches happen during recessions. Oh, yes. So. Well, I like that you call it a war chest, actually, because I've kind of pitched it as though I'm going to war against the system. Yeah. Now, <laughs> unfortunately, they don't, uh, this is my opinion, um, they don't teach you basic financial skills, because people say, why don't we learn about, like, interest rates and inflation at school? Because that educates the working class on the system. Yep. And people don't want, the powers that be don't want financial literacy for the majority of people. And the reason being, inflation is a tax to the poor and a benefit to the rich. Basically, there's a big redistribution of wealth to the rich people. Yeah. Because what happens is, is, as I just said earlier, like a really basic way of looking at this is the poor will work, invest their time and money for a unit of money. Mm -hmm. So their, their, their time of labor for a unit of money. Which, by the way, the Bank of England just prints at will, right? So you're, you're working for something that doesn't mean anything, it's fake. And then the rich people own assets. So, so, as, right, so basically, prices are going up, which therefore means, unless your wage increases at the same rate, which it doesn't, of the, the prices of things increasing, you're then working the same amount of hours for less payoff. Yeah. Now, you're then working for a company, therefore, at a cheaper rate, because they're putting their prices up right and the cost of their the cost of their labor is going down yes the cost of to you has gone up because you're costing you more so effectively a really basic analogy to just just really look at it from a simple basis if someone has 100 employees all of the cost of their goods have gone up and their cost of their wages have gone down so their assets all of their assets the things that they own the houses that they own the the, the kind of companies that they own they've all gone up in value yeah people are getting poor they're getting richer and that's just a real simple way so Going back to the original statement of, okay, what do you do in that situation? If you go into budget mode, which is what they want you to do, mm -hmm. right? Because that keeps you poor, it keeps you under the defensive, it stops yep. you from earning more money. You go, you go to contraction mode rather than expansion mindset. You are then in a position where you're never going to get out of this hole. Yeah. So, and I just said a second ago, these things come around every 10 years. So what, you're just gearing up for the next winter. Like, yeah, you barely come out of Come and it's going to get worse and worse each time because yeah. they're taxing you every day. That inflation <laughs> is taxing yeah. you. And those rich fuckers at the top, and they're not fuckers. They just understood the game. Or they come from a family, and fortunate enough to come from a family that understood the game and taught them. Yeah. Okay? So I mean, most people don't come from... Most people are inherently inbuilt with that lack of knowledge yeah. because they come yeah. through a family that don't understand. That's why you have your parents go, don't do that, that's scary, that's yeah. dangerous. Because they weren't taught. It's not their fault. No, so no. The system has been built that way. different time. So like... What you should be doing instead is going, okay, I've got a little bit of money, invest every single penny into myself. Yep. Every single penny. Yeah, whether it's side hustle, whether it's your own business, you know, you, you, it's your duty to get yourself out of that hole, not anyone else's. So what skills right now, if you had like a small amount of money or you had a recurring amount every month, would you be putting time and effort into? Um, and anything that is built on the online space, the, the arbitrage the, um, that we have, the opportunity that we have in front of us with online, whether you know whether it's social media or not, um, is just there's just so much opportunity that you can't ignore it. So that anyone that is trying to do an offline business, you know, where it might be more old school, needs to think about bringing that online, and you need to capitalise on that. Anyone trying to side hustle needs to think about how they can innovate and change the game. Now, I relate everything to online and social media because that's exactly what I did when mm -hmm. I started. You know, I I didn't actually start 
with the intention of like you know uh, being a property educator and a sourcer that was a byproduct of the fact that I just shared my journey I wanted to get known on social media because I always thought that you know standard thing your network is your net worth mm -hmm. so let's build up my network um, also something that Grant Cardone always says is you know atten uh, where attention goes money flows I thought well okay let's get some attention <laughs> and I just all I did is look to go right the, in the property industry back in 2019 it was you know um, 50 to 60 year old blokes who were telling you how you could get rich in seven days I thought well I'm I'm younger I'm more relatable that's something I would have liked to have seen. I'll just start creating content around that. And that's what everyone else has to do within their business. Um, and I think th that will help them ultimately. So going off on a bit of a tangent then, so I'm interested in stuff you're saying. How long were you putting it? Because when your content was very value-based, right? So yes. you, were, you, you picked an avatar that you were trying to help. So when I say avatar, what I mean by that, for, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a demographic with a certain set of like problems or things they want to try and solve or learn. Mm -hmm. And then you put out answers to those things, right? Value. Yeah. How long did you put out value-based content before you started trying to monetize? Um, quite long, probably longer than I should have. I did a good... I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably over a year, like, oh, probably like more like a year and a half uh, until I really capitalized on it. I just kept giving value because uh, ultimately I knew I'd get it back in some way and that wasn't actually the reason I started it. I started it actually to help the person before me because I saw a gap. It wasn't to actually go, right, I'm going to make hundreds of thousands from doing this. It was actually, I, I think there'll be an advantage to doing it just from being known. And I'll meet the right people. I might meet a mentor who's seen me and, you know, be able to give me advice through this. Um, so I think having influence and power doesn't always come through money. But, you know, we wouldn't have sat together. You've taught me a lot over the last few years. Oh, and that's just one byproduct mm -hmm. of if I didn't have the social media following, we might not sat down, you know, and so on. So. So one, one thing that I always try and I coin this like a seesaw analogy, I've not actually spoken about it on camera before. So I, I call it like the goodwill to call to action ratio or seesaw. Right. So basically what we do online, but when you run a, when you build a service-based industry or anything, when you're building a personal brand, what you're doing is you're giving up value. Yeah. Right. And what you do is you bank your banking value. So that's your, that's the seesaw. So right now, like your, your seesaw is like, Weight weighed very much in that, and you did this initially. Like you put out a year's worth of solid content before you ask anyone for anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And what you do is kind of Gary Vee's tactic: is you'll bank all this goodwill, this value, and then what he does is, is once you've got all this trust, then people go, "I really like this guy. He's giving me so much." You go, "Call to action. Right, I've got to service people. I've got a product." Yeah. Then you monetize some of that, and what happens is, is that 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 value bank goes down, and the the bank of money comes up. Yeah. Right, and then what you have to do is you have to keep replenishing the value bank. And what a lot of people do is they'll build up a bit of a value bank or none at all, and just try and hammer, the, uh, sorry, the value bank, and then try and hammer the money bank. Yeah. And what happens is they go, "There's just nothing coming in. I've got no leads. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. not. I'm not building." Because what you've done is you just you've literally wiped. All you're doing is asking people money constantly. You're giving them nothing. Yeah, yeah. And you're exhausted. That you've exhausted. If you had one in the first place, because normally those kind of people never have any anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like a social media influencer or something that, that has no value banked. They just had attention. That doesn't mean you have value banked. Yeah. Right? It has to come from value and goodwill and trust. Then you can exchange that for money very readily. It's a good. It's an easy transaction. Yeah. But what you have to do is circle this thing. And you can figure out ways of scaling your value bank at a faster rate by getting more audience, by giving more out, by like scaling, you've got a videographer that comes with you and all that kind of stuff, putting it out there, maybe doing seminars and jumping on other people's channels and whatever else. 
and people that can scale the value bank quicker can earn more money. And it's a seesaw effect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's the way I do it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, before I can monetize, I have to value bank. And that's why I said to you a minute ago, you, you said about like, maybe I waited too long. You can't wait long enough. So you, so you, you, you couldn't wait too long. The longer you can building, wait, you're building, building and building. And building that trust. And, and you can just bank that money at any time. But the yeah. more you have there, and, and, it, and you can do the whole lot in one go, no more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter how long you wait. And normally, the longer you wait, the more you earn. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah, it's true. Maybe it, I was coming at it from the wrong angle there, but no, I, I do think that every time I've, um, you know, gone back to the, the root and the basics of it, it's just provide value. It's just answer a problem, an issue that you've maybe solved or that you think other people sol- uh, need solving and then just create content around it. And I think people overcomplicate that mm-hmm. from what it needs to be. Oh, massively. So I think as well for other people like trying to start out, if you have got any experience in anything, you want to try and monetize it, whether it be like you want to be you're interested in gardening or judo or whatever, yeah. like everything's saleable now. Like, so there's a lot of people thinking about side hustles. Start putting out value-based content to help people. And don't start a business that you have no idea in. <laughs> so before you try and sell something, have something to sell. Yes. Right. Yeah. So a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, service-based is easy. I can become a life coach or I can like, I can do, that's a bit, I, won't, I won't pick on life coaches because it's a bit of a difficult one, but because we all have some form of life experience. But like, you, might, you might be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I like gardening. But you yeah. have no in, like you have an interest in it, you have no knowledge in <laughs> yeah. it, for example, right? Yeah. So then people try and like sell gardening information, but they have no experience because oh, it's easy to do. Well it's not actually. You've got to be really good at it. Yeah. And really good at putting in a way that gives value. So if but if you do have a like a, a propensity for something and you have great skill in that thing, start putting content out now. Because the more you can bank now, the yeah. more you can exchange for money in the future. So I would be investing in the skills of building yourself, and you're not, so that might. So the thing is, in terms of investing in yourself, it might be, okay. Well, I'm thinking about doing a gardening-based service, right? So then I'll go and learn. I'll put money into going on courses that other yeah. people that do it. Then I'm going to put my money into a marketing course, so then I can sell this thing at the back of it when I want to bank it, you know, or a content creation course, so I can, you know, increase that capacity of value going yes. out, right? Yeah. For example. Yeah. So these things you can think about in terms of investing in yourself. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And then you've got a side hustle or potentially a main gig, hopefully, for a lot of people. Yeah, which it definitely could turn into. I think the only thing, to, just to add to that, is, is like ref, actually put time and money to like refine the craft, because mm-hmm. people can tell when you are passionate and when you do a quality service. And I think also that's what, when you see some of these pages blow up through building, gardening, whatever, it's because there's something unique about them. Normally they create such an insane product or the way they then film that as well. So put time, put some money into actually just get really good at what you do, be the best at what you do. So what are you currently doing to get better at what you do? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. I think just honestly living in the trenches, like as in like actually, for me, I am you know, a property sourcer and educator. If I'm not buying and investing in properties mm-hmm. like I'm selling on to other people, I believe I'm a hypocrite. Yes, <laughs> And uh, so, th- so I just constantly, so I continue buying properties. And I think the biggest lessons I've learned is from the doing and that in turn actually repays me because that honestly that the feedback I get from doing my own property investing, which is, is a great byproduct I earn what you know will create overall wealth from, so it's not a bad thing to do. Um, I actually learn my biggest lessons and then I end up just teaching them. And it's it's kind of like a vicious circle. And then all I'm trying to do now is just go to slightly, you know, move with my audience, grow with my audience rather than just stay doing the same thing. Maybe I try and do a slightly bigger project, slightly bigger one. Again, as you've mentioned, I'm slightly risk adverse. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I'm still very much at the two, the three bed houses. I've mm-hmm. not yet gone on to the HMOs, the new builds. Not that you necessarily need to though, do you, once you've got a niche? 
Like no, can't. no, I think, and, and I've managed to get it to, you know, a very repeatable place, you know, where I've got a good build team. I know exactly the numbers of what I'm looking for. Um, so I just repeat that and then I just slightly grow with each product, with so each project. How really. scalable is that system and how many, do you think if, if you, like, is this, is this something you could go big with or is this vessel limited? It is limited. Um, as you know, there's like two main forms of scaling, whether it's a online business or this sort of business, horizontal or, um, sorry, I've gone the wrong way, horizontal or vertical scaling. Vertical scaling is the size of project. Horizontal scaling is the amount of projects mm -hmm. for anyone watching. For me, I'm really going down the horizontal. You know, how many can I just repeat, repeat, repeat? Um, whereas for a lot of people like yourself, you might actually go, well, actually, I look to go vertical, do bigger, because then I can get more done in, in one deal rather than having to repeat 20 or 30 deals all at once. I, I do think the model you're going down is more scalable. And that's why you find that people naturally progress there within. No, so, yeah, so something I've found, especially, do you know what, it, it's not just in building in anything in life, and this is the reason I, go, I kind of go for a vertical approach in nearly everything I do now, is because I found that the complexity and the stress <laughs> from a small project or a big project doing the same thing is pretty much the same. <laughs> So yeah. the payoff is just bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there might be an element of high risk, yeah. which is probably why you don't necessarily go for it. Something like me does. So obviously the only variable that changes there is probably the risk element because if yeah. there's an investment involved or like you know there's an outlay, it might be that more cash flow is tied up, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. The actual complexity and the, the moving parts are just normally just slightly more. Agreed, yeah. The only thing I'd say is like you've, you've done a bit of hor horizontal scaling, yeah. which now gives you the knowledge and the experience to do the vertical. I think a lot of people maybe need to do a bit of the horizontal to get the knowledge and then realise, okay, right, I'm gonna, which you did, you did with your HMOs, you're doing with, with this house, it's hardly a small project, but like in comparison to what you might go on to do. Um, oh, we're going big. Yeah, 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 I imagine, yeah, so. <laughs> I've, put a, I've actually put a proposal across, I can't say what it is, yeah. for a massive, massive, second project. Okay, okay, <laughs> round here? No, okay. it's, uh, it's up north, but it's, it's big. Good. So if that goes off, it's like, you'll be like, Elliot, why did you jump so much? But that's just inherently me. Yeah, like, yeah, I might end up yeah. flat on my face, but you know, that's just... I doubt it, you know, but, um, that, you know, and as I say, it, it is hard to scale the horizontal model. And I, and I have kind of come to realise that particularly the last year. So for me, the next step isn't necessarily going to the size of project that you might be, but it is, how can I do what I do now? But instead of buying one house at a time, how can I buy small portfolio of yeah, yeah, but five that's or the same six. Thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How can I buy, for me, what I'd really love, which is very popular in America, is the multifamily units, which for them, they call it multifamily. Is that Grant Cardone style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas we don't have so much in the UK, but it, for us in the UK, it might be a block of six flats. Yeah. It might be a block of 10 flats. How can I find those? How can I, you know? So is that the goal? I was going to ask you a little bit about goals to wrap up a little bit. So yeah. Like, where is the JW brand going and what, what's the goals for like the next? What's your, <laughs> what's your, what's your five-year plan? Five-year plan is to build, so my brand Property X, is yeah. to, to really start churning out some big revenue numbers and to actually grow a team to support what I do. Right. Because at the moment, very lean business. I am the admin, the marketing, the everything. Um, whereas that needs to stop because it's, I'm starting to fall short now. Um, so I need to build out business, build out the brand, build out the revenue, um, because that's gonna su continue supporting my investing. So my cash flow comes from Property X, which is helping mm -hmm source investments for other investors and it's helping educate beginners on how to do property and I take that money and I invest it into property um, so, so that's for me really the five-year plan is to continue growing that into a much bigger beast
and then move on to bigger projects like buying blocks of flats and things like that. Awesome. And you think you're gonna? Do you think you'll do that forever? I, I don't know. If you'd asked me two years ago, the plan was completely different to it is now. Okay. But, but I think at the I, moment, do you have like? So for me, I have after ten years, I want things to change quite drastically. Right. So do you see this ongoing, or do you have like a? I don't necessarily want to do this forever, even if you don't know what it is yet. I'll always do property. I yeah, love extent. finance. Um, I just think, yeah, but it, it might, it will definitely change and it will adapt. Probably like you, I, d I think my 10 years from now might look quite different from what it, it is now. But I think what will um, allow me to do that is having a portfolio that pays me income. Um, do you think you'll want it to, the biggest thing for me that I want to change after, so I've kind of set myself for when I'm 40, is I want to really not necessarily be so, uh, so much in the limelight, that's probably the best way to put it, you know pushing the personal brand as much. Now, yeah. I love it now. Mm -hmm. Don't get me I like doing these podcasts. Yeah, I, love, yeah. I love doing it. But I think at some point, I'm going to want to be a little bit more behind the scenes with my family and doing things a bit more, more privately because I yeah. don't think I'll necessarily want to do that forever. Like the businesses that I'm involved with probably won't change. But the, the change will probably be the way in which I grow my brand, which will then probably back off a little bit. So I don't That's necessarily want to be in front of a camera forever. Yeah, as much as I like it now, I yeah. don't think it's, I don't think, so I might change, I might love it. You know, yeah. but right now I don't think I want to be doing it into my forties. I'd probably agree with you with that. You know, a lot of what I do is very much face fronting. Yeah. Um, I want to spend half my time in the south of France by forty, yeah. so um, yeah, yeah. I so can't you, can't yeah. be doing that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah so enough. I'll still very much be in the game. I don't think I'll ever not work or not wake up and want to, you know, do property, do finance, you know, uh, invest in some way or, or build a business. But I would like the flexibility of location more. So, which I have, but I just don't allow myself to because I'm in the building phase. So. The graph, the grind phase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. But are you loving it? Oh uh, yeah, like, and you, yeah. And leaving your job, best decision. Best thing I ever did. Wait too long, but I don't care just because I'm here now. So yeah, to wake up, um, like completely don't have any Monday morning feeling now. Wake up excited every day. Um, well, some, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Some days I'm anxious because I've taken on too much work. Or oh, do you look, know what I mean? Quick, yeah, as a quick aside, note, people. Yeah. Like, just because someone seems to be successful and loving their life, right? Doesn't mean they have a shit. They don't have shit days. <laughs> yeah. Like we all have shit days. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I came to site this morning. I had to go tear off at the the. I won't say who I had to tear <laughs> off at, but I came here on a warpath. Like I was stressed out. Yeah. But yeah. I still love the stress, and I'm I'm doing something that I enjoy yeah, you doing. Yeah, change the result, right? It's yeah. just it's all it's all part of it, and I love the the sacrifice and the pain of this growth. Yes. But I'm doing it in an, in an environment and a situation that I put my chose to be in and I want to be in. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, yeah. So I'm exactly just, you still have shit days. <laughs> and like you still, that, that's, a, that's a prerequisite to be happy too. Yeah. You can't have happiness without sadness. Yeah. You can't have like freedom and, and feeling fantastic without anxiety. I you have to have light and dark to appreciate both. I think people forget that. They figure it all the time because yeah. they get told it's not okay to be anxious, it's not okay to feel sad, yeah. and it's not okay to be unhappy. You should always be happy. You should never feel anxious. You know this thing. <laughs> yeah. What? No. That's not human. It's not. Yeah. You it's love to learn the process, but be doing something while you're feeling those emotions that you want to be doing that you love. No, I think that's, that's a a great point that often gets missed. And even on the anxious days, I'm still very appreciative, but I do, yeah, you feel yeah, it. you feel it. And you, you push you're pushing it. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're creating growth. Yeah. So. I think on that note, we should probably wrap it up. It's quite a good. <laughs> yeah, it was a good Thank one. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. You're Cheers, very welcome, mate. Justin.